We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to The Uncontested an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy P. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up, guys? This is Taylor Peterson, and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And today we have our final episode, which seems crazy. This is really flew by uh, episode eight of our season preview series. Now, I do realize that the NBA season has already started. <laughs> if you guys are listening to this, uh, I guess Friday morning. However, we were waiting to finalize, I guess, for the Raptors. We had trouble finding a guest. Uh, we finally got some, and then we had some scheduling conflict with our potential Raptor guests. That brought us all the way to the start of the NBA season, where we've been obviously trying to focus on the Thunder, trying to find time to put all of this together and drop it for you guys, all while trying to maintain and balance uh, work and family and all of the above. So all of that is a long way to say that we are very sorry for the delay. Um, first and foremost, to our awesome guests who came on. We have some great, great guests for you guys today. But also to all of you listeners who are tuning in, you know, we've gotten a great response from all of you uh, on the season preview series, as well as just in general. Um, as the NBA, NBA season has tipped off here recently, you know, you guys have, I think this is going to be one of our best months uh, from a listener standpoint when we were looking at the data earlier today, and we just cannot thank you guys enough. So without th further ado, here is our lineup for today, which is kind of funny because all three of these teams actually play tonight, and two of them are currently playing, um, which is kind of fun and interesting. So first off, we have Robert Flom the managing editor of Clips Nation, previewing the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, obviously a very interesting team that the Thunder actually had some, uh, had a pretty big trade. You guys may have heard about it uh, this offseason with. And next we have Karthik Prasad. Um, he's a, a good Twitter friend of mine and an active NBA and Rockets Twitter contributor, as well as a frequent guest of many Rockets podcasts and sites such as Locked on Rockets. And then finally we have Sam 
Espandiari, uh, host of the Light Years Podcast, which is another member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And he's also a contributor of Warriors World Radio, um, and he's going to be previewing the Golden State Warriors who are playing right now uh, against the Clippers. So stay tuned, and here we go. Hey guys, it's Justin, and I am now joined by Robert Flom of Clips Nation, part of SBN, who covers, as you might have guessed, the LA Clippers. You can find him on Twitter at RichHomieFlom, which might be my favorite Twitter handle I've seen today. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, appreciate the uh, Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, you know, every year I think I get fewer shout outs as we get farther away from Rich Homie Kwan's prime. But uh, every <laughs> once in a while I still get a, an appreciative audience. So gotta I, I gotta do. keep showing respect to Rich Homie Kwan, that's for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> you bet. So let's talk about the Clippers. Uh, To recap last season, the Clippers finished 48-34, and which was eighth in the Western Conference. They had a very exciting uh, first-round playoff series against the Golden State Warriors. Since then, uh, they've been very busy, Uh, probably one of the most exciting summers of any team in the league. We'll start with uh, the non-obvious additions. So the first section of players they added, uh, the draft picks. They added Fiondu Cabagnelli and Terrence Mann. They also added Mo Harkless, Patrick Patterson, and two guys you may have heard of, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. On the flip side, they lost, as Thunder fans are very aware of, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and all the draft picks, uh, which Thunder fans are very thankful for. So th- thanks for that, L.A. Injuries heading into the season, something else Thunder fans are probably very familiar with. Paul George still recovering from the shoulder surgeries that he had this offseason. And then you also have Kawhi Leonard, who's kind of rehabbing that leg, uh, hopefully getting back into playing shape, but may not quite be 100% just yet. Salary situation, the Clippers are sitting at $130 million, which is just under the luxury tax line. And lastly, uh, over-under for next season, Westgate has them currently sitting at 53.5 wins, which is good for first place in the West. So, Robert, uh, the obvious question here. Uh, what do you think about the moves the Clippers made this summer? I mean, they were fantastic. It's hard to spin it any other way. I think people can raise concerns and, and pretty valid ones about the duration of time the Clippers might have. Why Leonard and Paul George, both those guys, are only on two-year deals right now, so they could both be available the summer of 2021 when cap space increases and there's a myriad of other top-tier free agents that they could pick and choose uh, to form super teams with elsewhere. So there is that worry, and there's the chance that if the Clippers don't win a championship the next two years, those guys will leave, and the Clippers will still owe all their draft picks to Oklahoma City for Paul George. So there's a certain percent chance where this all ends absolutely horribly, but you have to take that chance every time when you're getting two superstars like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And then the rest of their summer was really good, too. They were able to retain almost all of their key free agents, Pat Beverly, Ivica Zubots, Rodney Magruder, uh, you know, bringing in guys like Mo Harkless, uh, adding Terrence Mann in the draft, a guy who the Clippers are really high on. They just had a phenomenal summer. I mean, I, I don't think there are many grades and summers truly worthy of an A+, but I'd probably give the Clippers summer an A+. I think, I think that's a totally fair rating. It's hard to think back on many summers that could be graded any higher than what the Clippers just put together. I think what you hit on is interesting, though. I think the Clippers had a a fascinating team, really kind of captivating season last season. It was a bunch of guys that you didn't necessarily expect 
to perform as well as they did. And for the most part, they retain those guys. And then you add, uh, you know, two of the top 10 players in the league in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But what do you think about the supporting cast? Do you think the transition of adding those two guys will allow them to continue to play at the high level that we saw last season? Or do you think that adding those kind of two superstars is going to take away from some of what we saw? I think that it's mostly going to be pretty smooth. I think there will be some rough transitions, especially at the beginning when those guys are figuring out how to play alongside two such titanic figures as Leonard and George. Certainly the Clippers offensive players, you know, guys like Lou Williams in particular, I think might have to fit in a little bit to find his new niche on the team. But overall, I think the team fits together really well. You have shooters around those two guys like Pat Beverly, uh, Rodney Magruder, Landry Shamit. You have defenders, Beverly, uh, Magruder, Mo Harkless. And then big men, which is Zubox and, and Montrezl Harrell, who don't need the ball very much and can kind of play more of a rim-running, offensive rebounding type role. So I, I think the team does fit together pretty well. I think... Guys like Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell will probably see their numbers dip just a little bit because with those with Kawhi and, and Paul George there, those two won't need to create and handle as much of an offensive load. But overall, I think the team should go along just fine. I think more than cohesion, I think injuries are kind of the thing to worry about right now. So let's, since you brought it up, that's a great place to go next. What's your feeling about specifically the, the Paul George injuries? We've kind of gotten a few... Uh, hints yeah. at what a timetable might be, but kind of how do you see that playing out and how much of a concern do you think it is if he if he does miss somewhat significant time? I don't think he will. I think all the indications are that he's going to miss a couple weeks, maybe a month at most. He told Ramona Shelburne on media day that he was going to come back November-ish, which theoretically leaves the entire month of November open. I lean more towards the early to middle portion of the month which would be anywhere from two to three weeks, which, mm -hmm. you know, seven to 12 games maybe, which would not be helpful, certainly, in the in the competitive Western Conference. Every game matters. And if the Clippers lose two to three of those games that they would have won without George, that could cost them a couple spots in the playoff standings at the end of the year, which could be a real difference maker. So to that extent, I think it could be significant. Um, you know, to the extent that every NBA game, even in a long 82-game season, does matter. But on the macro level, I think they should be able to survive just fine without him. They still have a deep team. They have Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if they're going to be best team in the NBA good during the start of the season when Paul George is out and then in the games when he returns as they try to integrate him. But they should still be pretty good, you know, comfortably above 500 team and in the macro sense, as long as he and Kawhi are healthy and ready for the playoffs, then seeding won't matter as much, probably. So what about Kawhi? Any lingering concerns with that leg injury? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think if you don't have any concerns, I think you're just being far too optimistic. You know, <laughs> he's he took a lot of last season off. I can't remember the exact number of games he played. But he was still dealing with leg injuries in the playoffs, even with all those games taken off. Now, he was playing every playoff game, and he was handling a very large minute and duty load. But still, I think it's significant that he he was still struggling with that after a full season of load management. The Clippers do seem confident that a year further removed from that kind of lost 2017-18 season, when he had that injury and was struggling with it, 
that he'll be able to play a few more games and that the injury won't trouble him as badly. And they could very well be correct, but I think it's still something that's definitely lingering there. So we've talked about the players that the Clippers have added. I want to talk specifically about one player the Clippers lost, somebody that Thunder fans are very interested in, in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. What did you take away from his season last year, and what do you kind of expect to – what can Thunder fans expect to see from him this upcoming season? Shea uh, won the hearts, minds, souls of of Clippers fans last year in in a remarkably short time. He was the best prospect the Clippers have had since Blake Griffin which not a very high bar because they mostly either didn't have draft picks or had really bad draft picks (laughs) in that interim era. But still, I mean, I think there was a very good argument to me that he should have been first team all rookie last year. I was ultimately fine with the guys they put ahead of him. I would have had him over Marvin Bagley personally, both in terms of how good he was last year and as a long-term prospect. But I I can see the argument for Bagley. And considering how great last year's rookie class was, the fact that he was you know, the fifth or sixth best rookie is really saying something. He has weaknesses, sure. The outside shot is still kind of shaky. He's never going to be a super explosive athlete in terms of just dunking all over people or making insane athletic plays on either end of the court. But he's so smooth. He's really smart. You know, he's one of the better defensive rookies I think I've seen in, in some time, especially at point guard where it's very tough to come in and defend NBA point guards on a nightly basis. He did so. He'll still make young guy mistakes. Like there were periods last year where he fouled a bit too much or he was caught reaching. He definitely needs to add muscle because he's, he was too light. He would get shoved out of the way sometimes, but it looks like he already put some on this summer. Yeah. Uh, He supposedly has a great work ethic. The Clippers really raved about him. And yeah, I mean, he's just smart. He's a good passer, not a brilliant one, but a good one very, very slick handles, and he just is able to go wherever he wants on the court. I I think he's going to be really good. He was basically an above-average player on both ends of the court last year as a rookie point guard, which is pretty wild. Yeah, You know, I don't know if he's ever going to quite be an all-NBA-level player, but I think he could certainly make a couple all-star games, and I think he could definitely be an all-defensive-level defender in his prime, capable of guarding points, shooting guards, small forwards, maybe even small ball power forwards due to his his height and length. Um, so yeah, and I think I'm high on his offense, but I'm really, really high on his defense. I think he's going to be probably a top 30-ish NBA player in his prime. I, I'm totally with you. In the clips that I've watched from last season, it was the defense, uh, just using his length to his advantage that really stood out to me. So going back to the Clippers roster, looking at this team, they're pretty stacked. There's a lot of depth all around the floor. Is there any spot that kind of feels like a weakness that you wish there was maybe a little bit more depth? I think there are two pot spots. Actually, I think you could point to point guard and center as the two places where they could maybe use a little bit more beefing up. Point guard, they're apparently going to use kind of a, a revol- not a revolving door, but kind of a rotating cast there. Uh, Pat Beverly will start and will play the bulk of the minutes, but they're going to have Landry Shamit handle some point guard duties, Jerome Robinson and Terrence Mann, who are younger guys, might handle some point guard duties. Uh, Lou Williams, even though he's not really a point guard, will will handle the ball yeah. a lot when he's on the court. So they're going to have a lot of guys handling the ball, and that's all well and good, but they don't really have a true established backup veteran point guard. I think that's something they could use. If Pat Beverly goes out with an injury, I don't know who they have who I'd really trust to get the offense into sets on a nightly basis, and that's an issue. 
Um, you know, Pat Beverly is great, and he's very, very dear to the hearts of many Clippers fans. He's really underrated on the court in addition to his locker room personality, but he's not always been the healthiest of players. And if he goes out for 20 games, I just don't think the Clippers have another guy who can feasibly fill that spot on their roster right now. And I think center, the other areas with true centers, I think really the only guy they have right now is Ivica Zubac. And while he's good and still young, uh, you know, if he gets injured too, they don't have a guy who I think can start at center. They'd have to either go small with Jermichael Green or throw in a, a rookie in Fiondu Cabangeli, which would not be great because they do want to keep Montresor off the bench. I think they could use another big body. It's why I was kind of surprised to hear that they didn't end up working out Joakim Noah, who a lot of Clippers fans had really pegged as that guy to be the backup big man on their roster. And even for dealing with guys like Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis in the playoffs, Zubats is still a bit weak there. Uh, you know, he's trying to put on muscle and gain that strength, but who knows if that happens this year. So I think those are two positions where they could use some reinforcements. Certainly, they're not bereft there. I don't think they're huge gaping holes, but I think even one injury could expose them a little bit at, at both point guard and center. So do you think this roster, is it kind of set throughout the no. season, or do you think there's a possibility there will be more additions, potentially trades, things like that? I do not think it's set at all. I I do think, I mean, I think the key guys are going to be there. I think I would be pretty surprised if they traded Kawhi, Paul George, sure. obviously, <laughs> but certainly Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, uh, Pat Beverly, I think are all pretty safe. Um, but I mean, I could see guys like Mo Harkless, Rodney Magruder getting traded for a point guard or center. If Ivica Zubats doesn't have quite the impact that the Clippers might want, I could see them flipping him for a somewhat older, but you know, more ready player. They're all sorts. I think they do make a move, whether it's just a simple buyout and uh, just picking somebody off the waiver wire or making a two-for-one trade to consolidate. I think there's a move to be made there during the season. So what about looking at this roster? We we know the big names. We kind of know the the stars on this squad pretty well. Who do you think is really kind of primed for a breakout season this year? I think there are two candidates. You have Ivica Zubats, who I've mentioned quite a bit. He's going to be starting at center. And frankly, I mean, he's not going to have that many responsibilities on the offensive end. Really, he's just going to be setting screens, rolling to the basket, finishing on easy dunk attempts and, and trying to get offensive rebounds and putbacks. Kind of the typical garbage man big role. And on defense, he's going to be anchoring a defense with a lot of great perimeter defenders, which should take some of the burden off him. But that just makes the pressure all the higher. You know, if he messes up, it's going to be Pat Beverly and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard barking at him which can be tough. Um, so I think he's one. I think the Clippers are, are confident in him, but I think the real candidate is Landry Shamit. He was so good last year. He was overshadowed by Shea Gildas-Alexander because of how great Shea was. But Landry had a, a historic shooting season. I wrote about this about a month ago. No NBA rookie has ever been able to put up his numbers in terms of efficiency and volume from three. Not the Splash Brothers, not any of the great shooters from the past decade. And while that does say something about the way the NBA has gone in terms of especially volume of shooting, just even Steph Curry wasn't taking that many threes a game in his rookie season, it also says a lot about how good Shaman is as a shooter. The Clippers are also very confident in his ball handling and playmaking skills, as well as his defense. 
Uh, I think he's primed to leap into the top 100 players in the NBA this year. He was not ranked there by either ESPN or Sports Illustrated. I think he'll yeah. be very firmly in there this time next year. Nice. So looking at this squad, you mentioned earlier, you know, it's kind of a small championship window, which these days seems to be the norm rather than the exception. So what do you think is a successful season for the Clippers this year? Is it championship or bust? Or is there another way that this season could be successful? You know, it's interesting because I think the team and fans will have different expectations. I think for the team, and I think this is the correct way to view it, it should be championship or bust. Hmm. They have these guys. They might only have them for two years. Each of those two years is crucial to getting there. And they have the talent to win a championship, and teams with the talent to win a championship, that should be the goal. On the other hand, I think for fans, while that is kind of an expectation, I think Clippers fans have had such a rough history and have been let down so many times and have literally never seen a conference finals team that really making it to the conference finals and losing to probably any team but the Lakers would be, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say successful, but would be a not disappointing finish. Yeah. Um, losing to the Lakers would be pretty tough. <laughs> um, but for a team that's just never made it that far, making it that far would be something. And the conference finals, I mean, only four teams make it there every year. So if you make it there, you're not very far away from a championship. Like, I think if the Clippers make it to the conference finals this year and next year, and it's not like they flame out, they just run into better teams or suffer an injury or whatever. I think that's a pretty solid argument for Kawhi and Paul George saying those are, that's championship caliber teams. If you make it, there are rare occasions like, the Blazers last year clearly were not on the level of the championship contenders. Yeah, sure. But most of the time, you know, those teams are, are ready to win it all. So I think realistically, a, a Western Conference finalist ending would not be awful. Um, but I do think anything less than that, losing the first or second round would be would be quite rough, barring <laughs> injury concerns. And if sure. there are injury concerns, then yeah. that would be a different kind of scary. So. Sure. So we mentioned earlier that Vegas has the Clippers over under number at 53 and a half, which puts them at the one seed in the West. So my question for you is, are you taking the over or the under? That is a very good line. Um, Vegas <laughs> knows what they're doing. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, I don't think I should have to say that, but um, <laughs> they definitely do. Cause I would have them to be quite honest, right around that range. Yeah. You know, if anything, I think I would go under because predicting 54 wins or more is just asking a lot for any team but like peak warriors or big three dynasty you know paul george might miss some games Kawhi will probably still be on at least somewhat of a load management lou williams might be on load management i'm guessing paul george even when he does come back will sit out some games like i said i mean pat beverly has not historically been a super healthy player and I just think the Clippers will have their eyes focused on the postseason. I don't necessarily think they're going to be trying to win 60 games. You know, the seeding will matter to them, but I also think they're confident enough to think that they can win the championship as a three or four seed. Sure. So I'm going to say under, but that is a, I would absolutely not bet on that line <laughs> one way or the other. That is a, yeah. a line to stay, stay away far away from. <laughs> awesome. So before we go, 
hit us with three predictions for the Clippers this year. They can be team-related, individual-related. They can be hot takes, really wherever you want to take this. Um, hmm. I'm really not usually a hot take kind of guy because I, I like believing in my hot takes. <laughs> and I don't think I really have any hot takes too about the Clippers this that. year. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty rational, probably too rational. Don't want to be too boring. But um, I'm going to say, I mean, I think them winning under 53 games, that's the line. But I think that is surprising to most people. I do think sure. they'll win less than that. I, I would peg them at 52 or 53 probably. Um, in terms of players, because I, I probably have more to say about the players, I think that Landry Shamit. You know, I already talked about him briefly. I think he's going to have a really, really good year. Um, I think he's going to shoot over 40% from three again on a lot of attempts. I think his defense and playmaking will be quite a bit sharper. And I think by this time next year, um, he, not Lou Williams or Pat Beverly or even Montrezl Harrell, will probably be talked about as like the Clippers' third piece. Um, partially because Lou and Trez, I think, are also free agents next summer but also just because I think Shamit will be really, really good and, and yeah. show a lot of promise. And finally, I would look out for rookie Terrence Mann. The Clippers nice. like him a lot. He is a guy who they are grooming to play that backup point guard role, even though he did not play point guard in college. That's where they think um, his future lies. And he, he it was summer league, so take it for what you will, but he looked mighty comfortable there in summer league. He's a natural passer and playmaker. He has great size for the position. Um, and while Clippers fans keep trying to compare him to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, he is certainly not Shea as a prospect. He's years older and not nearly as as precocious offensively. But I think defensively there's something there, and I think he will be a rookie guard who is average or above average defensively, which is really impressive. So I'd look out for him to get in a handful of actual rotation games this year and impress. Nice. That's awesome. And shout out to you for working the word precocious into our podcast. That might be a first. Uh, <laughs> I think that'll do it for us. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for joining us. You guys can check out Robert on Twitter at Rich Homie Flom. And though his Twitter handle's great, I promise the content is just as good. Also, be sure to check out Clips Nation over at SBN. Uh, they do a great job covering all the teams, but their uh, Clippers coverage, uh, no no thanks to Robert, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> is, is pretty solid. So they're going to be a team to watch this season. But, so be sure to check them out to get everything you need to know about the Clippers. Uh, but like I said, thanks so much, Robert. We really appreciate you coming on today. No, thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. Another huge thank you to Robert for coming on and previewing the Los Angeles Clippers. Obviously want to be a very fun and interesting team this season. Um, up next, we have Karthik Prasad to preview the Houston Rockets. But before that, a word from one of our sponsors. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I personally subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans thousands of sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. 
This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axius.com. Again, try to, try for free at sports.axius.com. Now we have Karthik Prasad to preview the Houston Rockets. Hey guys, we are back. Uh, this is Taylor, and I am now joined by Karthik Prasad to help preview the Houston Rockets season preview. Uh, KP, as I like to call him, based off his Twitter presence, <laughs> is an active member of Rockets NBA Twitter. He's a huge, huge Houston sports fan in general. You can find him tweeting about the Texans. Um, he's a huge Texans fan, obviously a Rockets fan. He loves all Houston sports. Uh, Karthik has been featured on a couple of different Rockets podcasts and websites in the past, such as Locked on Rockets most recently. Uh, during, I believe it was right before the playoffs. I remember seeing him tweet some stuff out about going on Locked on Rockets. Always has some great content. You can follow him on Twitter at StanfordKP. Uh, he, you can also often find him uh, going back and forth with Matt Moore on Twitter. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Always, always enjoy watching their interactions on Twitter. So thanks again, KP, for coming on talking to us. Uh, we we really appreciate it. I know you just got off a fight here a little bit ago, so I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, well, awesome. You know, you're very welcome, and thank you again. So, just a quick recap about the the Rockets last season uh, that they finished. 53 and 29, which is good for fourth in the West. And they did have the same record at the third place Blazers, but I believe it was a tiebreaker that put the, the Blazers ahead of them for third in the West, which gave them a matchup with my own Oklahoma City Thunder, which obviously did not go nearly as well as the playoffs went for you guys <laughs> with Houston. Um, Houston went to the Western Conference Finals for a second consecutive year before losing to the Warriors in six. But then it was a pretty huge summer to say the very least. Obviously, the Thunder fans that are listening to us right now are very well aware of that biggest transaction, which I'll get get to in a second. Uh, but first, they signed undrafted guard Shamari Ponce, who is now on a they waived so that way they could have G League rights. But I, I believe now they've signed him to a two way contract. Uh, they re signed Austin Rivers to a two year vet minimum deal, which was interesting because Rivers had some some other teams interested and he wanted to stay with Houston for the minimum just to continue what they've they built there. I thought that was really cool. Um, they re-signed Daniel, Daniel House as well to a three-year, $11.1 million contract. And then here's the big one. They traded Chris Paul to the OKC Thunder for Russell Westbrook, two first-round pick swaps, and two additional first-round picks over the next, I believe, like four years. They signed Tyson Chandler to a one-year deal. They re-signed Gerald Green to a one-year bet minimum. They signed Ben McLemore to a two-year, $4 million deal. They signed Anthony Bennett, the, the former number one overall draft pick, uh, to a one-year, $1.7 million deal. And then uh, another really big signing was the Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon re-signing. They they brought him back on a three-year, fifty-four point five million dollar extension to match the contracts of, of or match the futures and longevity of Russ and, and Harden. And then the really unique one was the the Nene deal. They they brought him back, and it was it's a very interesting deal. Obviously, there was there's been a lot written and talked about it on social media, but they signed him to a two-year, twenty million dollar contract, like. I guess in terms of incentives and bonuses that he can make, uh, it's based off his bonuses rather than. Uh, wait, sorry. Yeah, it, it essentially would have allowed Houston to trade Nene based off his bonuses rather than his two million dollar base salary as a trade asset. Um, however, the league and the I believe the players' association ruled against the contract, so now it would only cost the two million dollars in a trade rather than the like around the ten million dollar range. Uh, for example, to help them trade for a player like maybe Iguodala or somebody along those uh, those lines. So it, we'll, we'll definitely get into that here in a second. 
Injury-wise, uh, Russell Westbrook, as Thunder fans are very well aware, uh, he is out for the preseason games as the Rockets tries to e- ease him back in from his knee scope procedure that he had this offseason, which is kind of a, an annual thing that, that Russ has been doing ever since uh, Pat Beverly took out his knees there back in the playoffs of, what, I guess four years ago now, which seems crazy. Uh, Nene now has some weird abductor injury and isn't with the team. Anthony Bennett is out with knee soreness for the preseason, but it doesn't sound like anything too serious, and I believe that's all. Um, so salary situation per friend of the pod, Keith Smith, the Rockets are about $55 million over the cap with a little less than $3 million in tax space. So they're still under uh, the luxury tax, which is pretty huge for this team. And then next season per action network, they have the over under at 54 and a half wins, which would be about a game and a half better than last season. So enough of me talking, uh, Karthik, let's get your thoughts on the trades, free agent signings, uh, and the draft that your team made. And I think probably the thing that's going to take over the the majority of the time here on this question is going to be obviously the rust transaction yeah no i mean talk about a huge huge deal um i remember where i was and it's just kind of (laughs) jaw hit the floor and um you know it it was surreal and you'd kind of heard about it we all thought kind of maybe miami was in the the lead there and then all of a sudden you know houston comes in and and trades for them right Um, but that you know very quickly the more i thought about it each each hour that passed that day basically it was like okay I think this could be really good. Um, and the reason is less from an X to the no standpoint, but more, more because, you know, Russ is just, as you well know, like he's so imposing. He's a change agent. Um, he's relentless in, in what he does and, and what he'll bring. And Absolutely. 110%. Yeah. And, 110%, 110% of the time. I think it's a great way to put that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like in, in some ways, it'll force us to change. Um, and, you know, last year I thought we got – somewhat complacent you know a lot of iso basketball um, a lot of half court offense and and i think you know he the things he's good at which is rebounding and pushing in transition slashing to the rim attacking the paint and and kicking out to shooters we need that in spades and and so that you know there's there's that which is the on-court fit and then of course just the dynamic that and the relationship that he and james have and i thought it last year you know james and chris kind of it reached a point where I think that the equilibrium was broken. I think they both you know, respected each other, and I don't think it was about that. I think it was just James looked around and said, what can CP bring that I can't bring on a, on a nightly basis, especially kind of after his injury? And I think that that just kind of it, it first it forced them more down the ISO hole. And so now you, Russ is in the equation. They kind of get to reset and say, okay, how do we balance this? How do we really make the best of, of both guys? And so it'll be really, really exciting to watch. Well, I think you bring up a really good point and kind of an underrated point there. And that, you know, like you said, I think Miami was kind of in the league, at least from reports and stuff that both you guys saw as, as Houston fans and just NBA fans and uh, us here in OKC kind of saw and heard as well. And all of a sudden Houston comes in and sweeps them up. But then I want to say it was Sam Amico who, who wrote this. And then there was also a, and I can't remember the the author of this article, which is really bad because it was a great article. And like the Houston Chronicle who kind of narrow, uh, kind of, uh, told the story of, of how the trade came together and, and kind of some of the moments leading up to the trade. Yeah, Jonathan Fagan, yep. Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Fagan. Um, and he brought up a really good point in that I think Russ had kind of mentioned to the to, from the very beginning, like essentially, and there were some whispers that Russ had talked about a trade um, after, or at least shaking things up after the Thunder lost in the first round of the playoffs again to the Blazers this past season. 
But then I guess after Paul George was traded, he pretty much said from the very beginning, like, look, I've been talking to James uh, Sam Presti. Please trade me to the Houston Rockets so I can play with Harden again. And so the, like, like you mentioned, the fact that they want to play together, they have that off-court chemistry compared to CP3 and, Houston, and, and, uh, and Harden who were just kind of co-workers and not much more. You know, I think that's going to be a, a really big thing for you guys this season. Yeah, I mean, the more the more of the breadcrumbs you kind of tease out of some of these articles, you can kind of tell that, you know, there was more to this than maybe we thought. Exactly oh, absolutely. And these dudes must have been talking before. And, you know, I think this week in Media Day, James told a story about how, you know, right, the, literally the hour after Paul George got traded, he was in Europe, and then Russ called him straight and just said, hey, what, what are we doing? <laughs> wow. And, and so, you know, there is just... <laughs> I, the more I hear about it, the more I think, you know, they wanted to, they want this and they wanted, um, wanted to have a shot at it. And so we'll see. Um, and yeah. You know, it, it'll, I think we've put a roster and we can get into that, but a roster that, that can complement Russ and James. And so um, um, it's a big season ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, speaking of that trade, though, that does mean you guys lost a player. You lost Chris Paul. And then also Shumpert, I think, was another a fairly big addition that you guys ended up not holding on to, or not addition, hey, another player on the roster who you guys ended up not holding on to um, who could kind of fill that small forward void that maybe you guys have right now. So maybe touch on uh, Chris Paul and Shumpert not being with the team anymore and, and how you think it's going to affect the Rockets this coming season. Yeah, and I'll start with Shumpert first. Um, I, you know, Houston Rockets fans, I think, have high hopes for two guys. One is Daniel House, who were able to re-sign, and um, I think he... We saw him in flashes last year. He didn't really have a good playoffs. He was dealing with some kind of foot injury, but excited to see what he can bring because he can both rebound and attack, and he's a good shooter from the perimeter. And so we'll see if he can hold his own defensively. Um, but offensively, though, we're excited for his fit. I think Eric Gordon will get the start um, from at the small forward spot. And it's weird because last year we had a big rebounding hole left by Trevor Ariza. But with Russ being such a great rebounder, I think they can go with more shooting um, with Eric Gordon. Um, and then, of course, uh, an old friend of the Thunder, uh, Tabo Cephalosha, I think. That's uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think he could step in and kind of fill those veteran minutes. Um, and he, he already has, obviously, chemistry with Russ and James. And, um, and so we'll see. I think you know, maybe there's another move that the, the, the Rockets make, whether they still try to go after Iguodala or another buyout late in the year or whatever it is to kind of add another forward to the mix. Um, so it's sad to see Shump go, especially the price that they paid for him at the deadline. Um, but, you know, the cost of doing business there. And then, of course, with CP3, man, I mean, two great years. I think the first year that he was here was probably the best Rockets team, you know, that I kind of have – I've remembered. I mean, I was pretty young for the, the championship teams. But right. um, that they had a, just a great balance. Um, but as I was saying before, I don't think they ever re, re got, reclaimed that equilibrium of – you know, the play style, his, his, his desire to kind of attack the paint and kick and getting out and transition. Um, I think when he came back from the injury, he didn't have the same level of explosion. I had high hopes that, you know, he would kind of be healthier this year, and there was talks about how he had redone his regimen. Um, so I'm excited because I think in Oklahoma City, it's kind of maybe a blessing for him. Um, you know, he should look good there because uh, I think he's worked on his body a lot. He has had a full off season to train. Last off season, he was recovering. Plant based diet. That was kind yeah. of an inside joke, I think, throughout OKC's exactly. media day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Stephen Adams was like, "Nope." Um, yeah, <laughs> that's cute, but no thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, I'm I'm excited to see um, CP. Obviously, a bit, little bit bittersweet that you know he's no longer a rocket. Um, because like, a little tell bit me about it. Business, 
but yeah, no, I mean, it's a, I guess all eyes to the future now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Um, you mentioned transition. I think Russ is going to be great for you guys in that sense. I mean, I, I'm really excited to see Houston, Houston uh, push the ball a little more this season. I think it's going to be great for them. So speaking a little bit about that and maybe their change style of play, let's talk about team depth. You know, I mentioned they're a little short on small forward, but I think Eric Gordon, like you mentioned, Tabo, some guys like that can fill, fill that spot. But what about the rest of the roster? Are there other issues or are there certain positions you feel that maybe the team is more stacked in those certain positions than others? Yeah, you know, I mean, going into the season, I was pretty concerned with backup center, but I think between bringing Nene back, also adding Tyson Chandler, who I think should be a really good fit, championship experience, um, a lot of length and kind of a bigger body. Um, not, not, I think we have solid depth in the center spot behind Clint. I am a little worried about, you know, the kind of the, the tweener, what I call the tweener forward spot. Um, you know, someone who could play the three, someone who could play the four. Because PJ is amazing, but you know he's from a height perspective and kind of the length perspective that you might want. Um, I right. Think, I think they're missing some longer defender. Um, they are, you know, there's been rumors all summer about bringing Luke Bamute back. I don't know if that'll materialize, or you know, the situation in New, in New York with all that's of interesting. Eighteen power forwards in the mix. Um, yeah. Maybe, right. Maybe one of them frees up. So. Um, I think yeah, I think it's that bigger forward spots what I call it, um, and maybe we can. Um, figure that out but in terms of our backcourt um, pretty happy there with Russ Eric James Austin Rivers coming back on the one and one deal and then um, Daniel House I think you know those guys I think will be a good rotation um, and we have an exciting young guy Chris Clemens that we're pretty excited about he probably starts in the G League but another hopefully yeah. backup guard by the end of the season so feeling okay I think there's one more one more move to be made but um, at least good enough now to, to hit the ground running well that's a perfect transition because I have this question, and then I actually I have a hypothetical trade I want to throw at you at the end that again involves the Thunder and the Houston Rockets. So, okay. uh, are you expecting any changes throughout the season? Uh, any additional trades? I think you said you were expecting maybe one more, and after that, I want to give you this hypothetical really fast. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I think one more move. I mean, I think the Rockets can still maneuver and free up a good amount of their mid-level exception. Um, it depends on a little bit on how much they can get, but. Should a buyout materialize with Iguodala or any other veteran, I think they'll have a good amount of money to throw at them. I don't anticipate any bigger trades. I know, like, I've talked a lot about potentially going after Kevin Love. I don't think that's this, you know, feel feasible anymore. But that's a fun hypothetical, though. I know. Yeah. Reuniting Russ and K Love and From the UCLA yeah. days. Yeah. So I, I don't ex I don't expect a big move, but um, maybe a buyout um, for a good veteran that can kind of fill that void. And you know, this week Marvin Williams from Charlotte comes to mind. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, but um, yeah, one more move probably. All right, I've got a guy for you. I'm really curious what you and, and Houston fans, if you guys are listening to this as well, be feel free to tweet us at The Uncontested and, and tweet at, at Karthik here, and, and we'll get your opinion as well. But let's say that it's best-case scenario for both the, the Thunder and the Rockets. The Thunder kind of do what we think they're going to do, like they get off to a decent start this season. Um, uh, Andre Robertson comes back basically he gets back to close to 100% maybe 90% looks great on defense um, he, he's cutting to the basket looking good again and then trade deadline comes and the Thunder end up getting rid of uh, Gallinari maybe even Chris Paul which I don't think will happen that soon but regardless uh, they, they start to focus again or, on the repositioning as Pressy has put it and the rebuild and at that point, they aren't really going to have a... And then on the other side, I should probably start with this. Um, Houston is playing great. They're like second seed in the West. They're expecting a really uh, tough playoff, but long playoff run. But they need somebody to guard 
Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James in the playoffs. What do you think about a Andre Robertson trade for uh, with the for the Houston Rockets? Uh, does that interest you at all if, if he comes back and looks healthy? Hmm. That's I mean, that, that is interesting because that's your that's your three four combo forward right there. Yeah, I mean, the initial concern would be shooting. Right. Um, Four spacing. I mean, he wouldn't be. I I don't think he'd start. I think he'd come off the bench. So right. I mean, it'd It'd be for those instances to guard those players, like I mentioned. You know, the the all stars essentially. Yeah, yeah, and the reason it's doable is I think his salary is within reach of you know a couple of different filler contracts, and then the real price would be around picks. And he's Um, he's expiring as well. Yeah. No. 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 For sure. Um, That. No. That's that's pretty interesting. I, I do. I mean. I, I would be I would be on board with that because I think you know deep in the playoffs you you got to wear these guys out the LeBrons the Paul Georges and the Kawhis as you mentioned so um, you know I I expect us to be pursuing a, a really good three four defender so yeah if he if he's available and the price is right I mean I I would be on board um, I think and especially the other piece is like if we can establish an offense that isn't just three point shooting and putting these guys in the corner and you have guys attacking off the dribble and other things. Um, right. Yeah. So it'll, it'll depend on that a little bit, but reuniting those guys would be uh, pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be interesting for sure. So that's funny. It's cool to hear your, your thoughts on that. So my next question for you is your projections for this team, this upcoming season. Do you think they, and this is really interesting with the, the Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook swap. There's a lot of debate over this. I think right now with the, with national uh, NBA media, do you think they'll be improved, worst off? Kind of what are your thoughts for the upcoming season? Um, certainly improved health permitting. Like if, if, if Russ That's and, fair. and Harden, both of whom knock on wood on anything else, is just have, have, have been durable and available during the regular season. And I think they've already said they want to keep Russ at around 33 minutes, 32 minutes a game, which um, would be a good kind of pace for him, I think, to preserve him. The other piece is last year, you know, 53 wins, I think, is kind of the floor with Harden playing a full season. And so I expect them to be closer to 60 this year, um, assuming that, you know, they have both guys available for 70-plus games, call it. I just think our depth is better. I think um, it'll force us to play faster and kind of get out on teams and not have those kind of lethargic losses we'd have in early in, into the season. So, uh, you know, I expect 60 is kind of where I am. Um, okay, yeah. We'll see. That's, I mean, they hit 65 with CP. Right. Kind of just went for it. Um, but I don't know if they'll go full throttle, but I, th- I expect them to be very good. And it all just depends on, you know, staying healthy and building that kind of chemistry that we talked about. Okay. So I have one more question for you before I actually ask you about a, uh, a win total number here because that's, that's really interesting. I like that. Um, but speaking of expectations for this upcoming season, are there any, like, breakout players you think that maybe – people are unaware of maybe some underrated players that kind of that kind of goes hand in hand uh, or anybody you expect to kind of rise to the occasion I think Daniel House like you said Rockets fans are very high on him he could take an, a big step this year and help out James and Russ is there anybody else besides Daniel House um, yeah the, the only guy we keep talking about is is Chris Clemens um, kind of that I need for a spark plug think of like prime Nate Robinson type of just backup score. Interesting. Um, okay. You know, he's obviously super young, but every every review out of the summer has been that he's playing at a 
at an NBA level in terms of the types of things that he's doing. A really good shooter. Um, and so, you know, who knows when that materializes. It might be kind of a late-season surprise. But, I, you know, a lot of people are talking about him, and I see it. If you just watch him, there's stuff that he does that you kind of go, wow, maybe he can make it um, and really have an impact on our team. So that would be the other guy I'd watch out for. I think um, everyone else, you know, we've, we've talked about. Daniel House is the guy we want to go from a flash guy to a, a real contributor i think is is what we're hoping for yeah no definitely that that's a I, that's actually a great one because like you said i've seen some whispers on rocket twitter yeah. um, about him so that's really cool to hear so uh finally before i get into these last two questions what do you think would be a successful season for your team whether that's you personally or if you want to even uh, speak on kind of like what you've seen throughout rocket's twitter and rocket's fandom uh, what you guys would define to be a successful season for the upcoming year you know, it was weird because last, the last couple of years with the Warriors and, and KD, you know, it was like get to the Western Conference Finals and that was a success and at least have a shot at the Warriors. But it's really hard not to say we, we should get to the Finals this year. And, and I know that's kind of probably subjective and, and more of a homer take, but the, the balance that, that we hope to have, which is two guys in their primes, that have played together. Um, you have a, a good balance of youth plus veterans. You have continuity, battle-tested experience. There's only a few teams that have that, and it's just a matter of kind of staying healthy, really building that cohesion. I've talked a lot about how James Harden's career is so far kind of mi- mirrored Dirk Nowitzki's in, in Dallas. Yeah. And they just had to put it together for one run at a time in which the league kind of switched um, – changed course and, and LeBron left for Miami and there's kind of this kind of recalibration and that's when they oh I love that comparison that is and, such a great comparison and I've been waiting for them to kind of do it and you know the, the, the dynasty and at the Warriors I mean obviously a lot of great players there but they're just it's not the same as if KD was there and so if, if there's any year to do it this would be the one um, and so it's just kind of going from Western Conference Finals and having a shot to let's do this thing because when else is it going to be this open, this, this much parody, this much change, um, all in one year with all the top players moving around. So, um, yeah, that's the hope, but, uh, it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of health, a lot of luck, but, um, that I would say that would be success because anything else, it's kind of like, well, did we really maximize our chances then? And, and, um, and I would, I would be pretty disappointed. I think if, if we, we didn't get to the finals but you know yeah very subjective and we're, we're having you know month before the season but that's where, that's where i stand <laughs> no that's that's absolutely fair and that comparison you made uh to the mavericks that year when when lebron left and everybody thought that he was going to win it all with the heat and then dirk and the mavericks come in i think that's that, that is a, a fantastic comparison um obviously just with a different fact with russell westbrook coming in this year so if they can make that work i'm with you that's that's great so two more two more quick questions before i let you go we mentioned earlier that Vegas has the Rockets over under number at 54 and a half wins. I originally thought that was kind of low, but then I started thinking about kind of like you mentioned the competitiveness, uh, competitiveness in the league this year between the Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, Nuggets, and the Western Conference, and like those wins do have to come from somewhere. So I get that might be fair, um, but you mentioned earlier like a 60 number. So are you taking the over uh, over that 54 and a half? Yeah, I'm I'm taking the over. Um... Just, just because I, I don't have a reason yet to take the under. Um, we, you know, everyone's healthy for the most part, and I think we'll, I think the conscious effort to come out of the gate strong, 
Um, the team last year was they didn't look the same in terms of conditioning and they lost a lot of the depth pieces but we have those pieces this year there's no reason it's the focus area to, and that and that bad start kind of broke the season I think you know you start kind of seven and 14 and you're like well this is not good <laughs> right um, right especially yeah. when you compare it to the previous season when they got off to a much better start and then and, but from that point on they're at a 60 win p- pace roughly and I don't and and so I think I think they'll be there this year. I don't think they they'll go harder than that because I think that'll come with additional minutes and additional risk. But I think you know fifty eight to sixty. Uh, I'm hoping for sixty because I think that'll lock up the one seed. But if they're in that fifty eight to sixty mark, I'd be pretty happy. I just think um, I think the other the other aspect is the Clippers, the Lakers. Um, load management's going to come into play, and the Warriors too. I think they'll they'll pace Steph. Um, they'll win, but I think they'll pace Steph until Clay gets back and see what see what happens there and so um it'll be interesting to see but i think i think we're we're gonna gun for it a little bit early in the season and see what we can scoop up before the the league kind of uh catches up yeah no absolutely uh so my final question for you before we let you go hit me with three predictions for your team this year and they can be team related or individual related they can be hot takes or they can be just you know they can be uh lukewarm they can be cold yeah. You know, so maybe some, someone wins MVP or get home court advantage in the playoffs, something along that nature. Yeah. So I think that – I think Russ will average another triple-double. I love it. Um, which I think you and I can both be rooting for <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I don't think anyone will finish in the top two of MVP voting. I think they'll be intentional about resting and kind of just balancing and not really – focusing on that like they've done in the past yeah yeah that's Um, i think that's a good one and then i I really do believe we have a shot at the one seed um and and i'm I'm thinking we finish i think we finish with the one seed if lowest the two um but that that's kind of where i see this team and what what they can do um now if they're they encounter some injuries we'll see but that that's kind of my team goal for them is is just go get that and let's let the chips fall and where they may after this but um, yeah, those are my three, which is, I think Russ will just, you know, his, his ability to do everything will be, will be awesome to watch. Well, that's what I like to hear. You know, I honestly, I never have hated Harden or anything when he left. You know, I just, I hate that we lost him kind of thing. I was one of those yeah. Thunder fans and, um, you know, I, as much as the, the rivalry, rivalry between the Rockets and the Thunder existed, you know, I always have uh, rooted for Harden and then now obviously with Russ going over there, I'm just, I'm really kind of excited to see how they're going to play together. So it's exciting to hear you be being optimistic about it as well. So uh, guys, well, I guess Karthik, thank you again <laughs> um, yeah. for for coming on and, and talking some, some Houston with us. Um, guys, give him a follow over at Stanford KP. Like I said, he's very active on NBA Twitter and in Houston Rockets Twitter. Um, he's actually become a pretty good Twitter fan, friend of mine. You know, he really is a great follow. I know we always joke around about Houston fans and the rivalry there with with uh, OKC Thunder fans, but uh, we really appreciate Sam for coming on. He's a great, great follow, so definitely uh, follow him. And then actually, uh, just to kind of tease something, we've actually DM'd a little bit back and forth since the, the uh, Houston and OKC trade about maybe doing some sort of Harden and Russ-centered podcast series kind of throughout the year. So stay tuned for that, and uh, hopefully hopefully KP and I can link back up soon. So thank you again, Karthik, for coming on, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm excited about the, the, the year this year. Um, Russ and Harden, there's just so much shared 
shared history there. And so it'll be good to kind of stay close to OKC fans and learn from you guys and, and go back and forth. Um, so appreciate you having having me on. And this is just, uh, as you said, hopefully a taste of something pretty cool that we can build. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll see. So another huge thank you for Karthik, to Karthik for coming on and previewing the Houston Rockets with us. Up next, to round out this entire uh, season preview series, we have Sam Esfandiari to preview the Golden State Warriors. But before that, a word from one more sponsor. So I know we've talked about Indochino before on the podcast, and honestly, it's because they are incredible. They really are. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Paul George uh, on an opening night of the NBA season, but he was fitted in a really nice suit. He might have gone to Indochino. Indochino was founded on, on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a, on a custom wardrobe. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all their custom clothing is under $400. US So that means you too can look like Paul George did on opening night without having to spend a ridiculous amount of money. Process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. So finally, to preview the Golden State Warriors, we have Sam Esfandiari, and here we go. All right, guys, we're now joined by Sam Esfandiari. He is part of the Light Years podcast on um, Blue Wire Podcast Network and Warriors World Radio on 95.7 The Game. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Not bad. I'm doing well. Um, doing well. Yeah, so it's me and Jacob here with you today. We're just going to talk some Warriors basketball, and, and you know we're getting close to the season now. I can finally feel it and, and get everyone excited for what should be a fun season. <clears throat> yeah, did you guys like – I feel like it just snuck up on me, and then like right as media day and stuff, I'm like, you know what? I'm ready for this. I'm kind of, kind of itching, ready to, ready to watch some hoops again. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So last night we had our first preseason game, and I, I don't have NBA TV, so I didn't get to watch it. But the fact that NBA players are like actually on a court doing things now, like it, it's finally starting to hit that it's here. It doesn't yeah, absolutely. Ma- it, I was... it, it doesn't matter that they're on a court, literally half a world away in China. It's just the fact that NBA players are on a court right now. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, um, that was funny. I was watching. I'm like, man, the Rockets look really good. Then I remember, it's like, oh yeah, they're they're playing a, a, a CBL team. They better look good. But, yeah, but exactly. alas, yeah. No kidding. We'll we'll back on the Warriors here. Um, so you know they finished 57 and 25 last year. You know, obviously lost in the NBA Finals to the Toronto Raptors, four two. Um, kind of just touch on, you know, how the end of that season felt after being um, such a favorite all year and then getting beat by the Raptors, you know, there in, in six games and all the injuries that went down and all the commotion um, that happened there at the end. Kind of touch on that and then um, transition to kind of what happened this summer and, and what the, the, the team will look like this upcoming season. Man, I felt like last season was four separate seasons for the Warriors. It was it was just so long. There was kind of the whole KD 
free agency backdrop, which I'd never really dealt with that with the Warriors. Like I, I, it gave me a new, um, profound kind of, uh, sympathy for for teams who you know like cleveland dealing with that with lebron or even okc dealing with that with kd just like how how much that can kind of wear on a fan base or just like the whole atmosphere for a whole season so that was one aspect of it but like the way everything ended i the general sentiment i got from warrior fans was they weren't disappointed as much as like sad to see you know, KD tear his ACL, or sorry, his Achilles, and then Clay tear his ACL. And doing that in consecutive games, like, I just can't think of any time I've seen a team lose two all-stars. You know, one superstar might be the best player in the league uh, prior to that anyway, um, in consecutive games. And it was just kind of like, from the moment KD went down against Houston, and then they rallied to win without him, and then they tore through portland and then he comes back and you know he only can play 11 minutes before his achilles gives out and just like the sentiment i got from everyone was just kind of like the combo of you know sadness over the injuries but kind of pride in the way the team fought through all of that um so so that's kind of where it is but now we transition to this year and it's going to be really weird watching them play majority of the season without clay thompson who's kind of the team's iron man like the guy just never gets hurt um and you know they got d'angelo russell who's just a different kind of player to anyone they've had in the past you know obviously andre Iguodala got traded it's like they're starting an entire new chapter you know everything that happened over the last five years i don't think the fan base could be any happier than like i mean that was just an amazing five-year run making the finals five years in a row winning three um but now they're on to a new chapter and it's it's kind of exciting it's a little weird yeah so besides the clay thompson injury who else is entering this season for the warriors who is having injury concerns is, is there anybody at this point well willie collie stein showed up to media day in a boot so oh i didn't see that uh, no, wow no one knew that was coming. Apparently, he strained or sprained. I think it's strained, actually. Something in his foot. Um, and they're saying he's probably out for the month of October. They seem quietly optimistic that he may only miss, like, the first four or five games of the season. Because, obviously, the season opens, like, the 22nd or 23rd of October. Um, but you know, they were, they're penciling him in to start at center. Um, I think most people think Looney's the better player, but end of the day, Willie Cauley-Stein was one of, I don't want to say more proven players they added to the roster, but at least someone you knew could competently play like 25 NBA minutes a game, as opposed to rookies and random flyer guys they got elsewhere. So that's kind of weird to start the season here. They don't have a bunch of big men as it is so losing him it's a little tenuous but we'll see maybe it is just kind of a little sprain and you know end of the day if he misses five games at the beginning of the season but is healthy the rest of the way no one will think anything of it right definitely yeah so you know all that in mind kind of the the, the injuries and you know losing guys like Iguodala and then bringing guys in um, like D'Angelo Russell just overall looking at the depth chart in the roster where do you see you know, the, the weakest point on this roster, but whether it be a certain position or, um, you know, lack of shooting or whatever it may be. Wing defense. 
Um, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like that was a Warriors calling card more than anything. Like everyone focuses on the shooting, um, and you know, rightfully so. You, you just don't see that much shooting on one team or that kind of backcourt that can shoot like that. Um, but you know, a big part of their success was the the Iguodala, Draymond, Livingston, Clay Thompson. Throw KD into it. Like just so many players who can guard so many different positions. Um, and, you know, that was true pre-KD. It only got better after they got him. Now they're going into this season. I mean, no one's going to no one's gonna mistake D'Angelo Russell or Steph Curry for lockdown wing defenders. And um, everyone else they have on the wings, I would consider kind of a flyer guy. Like whether it's rookies or second-year guys they internally think have upside or – um, I don't want to say like bargain basement type signings, but like they did hard cap themselves getting D'Angelo Russell. And because of the hard cap, they were limited with their options. So they're all vet minimum guys, you know, like a Glenn Robinson, uh, the third, or like an Alec Burks guys who, you know, at some point in the league showed a little something, but it's not like they're really coming off of a season that instills confidence in you that they're a consistent rotation piece. So that's going to be interesting. Like if if they stay healthy, I do think Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and D'Angelo Russell should be able to kind of lead a team to enough wins to be in the playoffs. But their margin is really thin because they're going to be pretty exposed defensively on the perimeter, and um, you know they don't have the ability to just kind of manage the season. And if Steph has to miss a month because he sprained his ankle, you know, they'll be fine because they have so many good players that, you know, they'll get through that month. Fine. Now they're like, Hey, if Steph misses 10 games in a row, they might go one and nine. And I don't know that you can afford a one and nine month in the West and, and hold water in a playoff hunt. Yeah. The, the West is, I mean, it, it's always been a bloodbath, but this year even more so, it's just going to be a bloodbath. Sam, you touched on a few things there that I kind of wanted to bring to light again and maybe dive a little more in depth on. And the first one, I, and, and these two things, I guess, kind of go together, but the the swap for D'Angelo Russell, the, the sign-and-trade to get D'Angelo Russell, and then subsequently that sign-and-trade hard-capping the Warriors to where now you mentioned this, the depth is, is a little bit struggling there, especially on the wing. Uh, they have guards. They seem to have more than enough bigs, um, but it's those, those wings, specifically those three slash fours that are really popular in the league right now that this team is lacking. So I guess just start off the, the swap for D'Angelo Russell. Is that something that you guys thought was like any sort of possibility at all? Did you just think KD was out the door uh, or did, did were there rumblings or thoughts within uh, Warriors fandom out there that that thought that this sign and trade maybe could happen? Well, they definitely mentioned um, I'd heard rumblings that they were going to try to get something in return for KD. I just didn't understand how realistic a possibility it was because they can't really if signing trade in KD, it's not like they could have given him a larger contract than he got from Brooklyn. So I never really understood what the incentive would have been on the other end. Definitely. Um, but I guess it worked out because by doing the sign and trade, it helped Brooklyn carve out a little extra cap space so they could get um, DeAndre Jordan, who they wanted. And um, they also picked up a draft pick from the Warriors. So yeah, a second um, rounder, is that correct? Or is it a first rounder? 
it's a it's a protected first. It's top twenty protected this year, and it immediately turns into a second in twenty twenty five. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember this. this it's like crazy protections on it. Yeah, so so it, that, that's a hit or a miss one for sure. Yeah, basically, if they finish higher than the six seed, because I don't think the East will produce, um, you know, enough high win record teams to be in those, you know, pick 21 to 30 range. So if they finish higher than like the six seed in the West, they're pretty much going to for sure lose that first round pick this year. But if they end up like scraping into the playoffs to the seven or eight seed or don't make the playoffs at all, they'll keep their pick and then they just can convey some 2025 20, second, which isn't really the biggest deal. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that totally makes sense. So the, the trade for D'Angelo goes down uh, subsequently hard capping the Warriors, which we've seen a lot of teams. Uh, hasn't really happened much in the previous years, but sign and trade became popular this past summer. And the hard cap imposed on the team really makes roster building this year very difficult, even in trying to make trades. So I know the Warriors are right up next to that that hard cap right now. So making any future trades, like they can't take on money, even if it's like two or three hundred grand. So do you see this roster being the roster that ends the season in Golden State because of all those stipulations? Or do you think they're still going to try to make some moves and see what can happen? I mean, at this point, um, the only way they can make a move is trade where the money is equal or they're taking less money. Or let's just say someone gets bought out that they want. Um, I don't know who that would be, but um, let's just say someone gets bought out. They would then have to trade one of their guys to a third team just to clear enough space to offer that veteran minimum contract. So I'm not too optimistic. We'll see many changes this year. In many ways, this season is probably more about holding water, seeing how good D'Angelo Russell is. Um Maybe he fits perfect with them. I, I can certainly see offensively, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, D'Angelo Russell being a nightmare to guard. Um, but, you know, that brings up the questions of can they play good enough defense to compete deep in the playoffs? And that's to be seen. Um, but, you know, D'Angelo Russell is still a really good player. And if they didn't do this move, it's not like they would have had D'Angelo's whatever twenty-eight million a year contract in cap space. They were they were already over the cap with the extensions to Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry. That this was kind of their only way to get an asset. So the way I look at it is maybe it works, and if it works, that'd be great. Um, I personally find him an enjoyable player, um, but if it doesn't, then you start looking at what you can trade him for that maybe fits your roster better. Um, and those would be options they wouldn't have had if they didn't have to do this. So in some ways they took a step backwards this year and they were always going to do that with clay getting hurt, but they kind of armed themselves with at least one more player. And that's not, that's ignoring clay Thompson, Draymond and Steph. So they have a bunch of players, at least other teams would like. So if they end this season at 46 wins and eight seed, then let's say they lose in the first round in like five games or something. At least they have stuff other teams want, and then they can start looking at the trade market and be like, "Hey, that you know, big man, you guys have that you don't play that much. How much would you like a guard who can create off the dribble for him? Stuff like that, for know? sure." Yeah. So I've got a question. I've been asking uh, quite a few of the guys we've interviewed here for these season, season preview podcasts. Um, it's kind of a two-part question. It could be the same answer for both parts. It could be completely different. 
Um, what would you consider a successful season for the Warriors um, in this upcoming season? And what would you consider a successful season in the eyes of a fan after, after having all this success for the past five years and having that luxury? That's a good question. Um, I don't know that these two differ other than fans might be a little more delusional in terms of what we can truly expect from Clay Thompson when he comes back. Like I think fans think when he comes back from injury, he's going to be the clay they saw in game six. And we both know, like there's a more likely chance he's kind of rusty when he plays this year. And then next year he probably looks more like himself. That's typically how it goes with guys off ACL tears. The first few months off of it, they're, you know, a little hit or miss. And then the next year they feel fully confident in their knee. Uh, But with that aside, what I would consider a success would be getting kind of a lower playoff seed. Well, let me start. Steph and Draymond stay healthy. So they're a competitive team. D'Angelo Russell fits in to some extent. They win about what their Vegas line is, which is 48 and a half wins. So they're in the high 40s. They're not the Warriors we've seen the last five years, but they're certainly not a bad team. Um, they have five players on rookie contracts right now. I might, actually, might even be six. Um, and they think highly of all of them. Um, if one or two of those guys pop as a rotation piece and one of these veteran minimum guys kind of pops as a rotation piece, like a player you see, okay, he can give us 20 minutes a game off the bench or he's a piece we want to keep going forward. If they get one to two of those young guys, one of those vet minimums, and the core stays healthy, I would consider that a big win because they'll be non-hard cap next year. Clay will be healthier, and they'll have a much clearer idea of what they have on the roster. Maybe maybe it's Jordan Poole. Maybe he is that bench shooter that they you know kind of lacked the last couple of years. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, Eric Paschal, the, the, the kid from Villanova who was, you know, I don't know. Everyone likes to compare tweener forwards to you know being the next dream on green. <laughs> um, you know, maybe something like that. I would consider that a win for them. So, kind of staying on that same topic of of what the season is uh, as far as um, being a positive season or a negative season. Westgate has Golden State at forty eight and a half wins going into the year. Um, so, based off everything you just said, uh, what if you were betting? What would you bet on this? The over or the under? Um, so I was actually in Vegas last weekend and I did put money on the over, um, but that might've been heart over mind. So, <laughs> um, I don't know that I would touch the line, honestly, like, and I, just to be clear, I put $20, I'm not, you know, risking my future savings or anything on it. Um, but, uh, they are, um, I don't know if you could promise me Steph Curry plays 77, 78 games. I think they can get the over. I just don't know how much I believe Steph can do that. He's had issues staying healthy, um, given how deep they've gone in the playoffs the last five years. I think it's a lot to ask guys, 31, 32, at that size, with that history of nagging injuries. It doesn't even need to be a serious one. It Just like you know, rolling his ankle, spraining his knee, like it, it's, it's hard to see a scenario where he stays fully healthy. And so, you know, I I hate talking about health in that way, but like the smart money would be on him probably missing 10 games. And I don't know that they are good enough to, you know, hold water in 10 games without him to hit 49 wins. 
Yeah, so what's kind of funny, and Nick and I were talking about this right before we went live on the air here, but you're number 28, I think, on the interviews that we've done. Uh, don't take that as a slight. We've gone in reverse order of record, so sure. Golden State was just too damn good that we had to do them last. I think almost every person we've interviewed for every team in the league has taken the over. <laughs> I just, well, I, you, I mean, you know, if just you can't be optimistic right now. When the hell are you going to be right? Exactly, exactly. You no, know? so uh, I, I just find that funny though. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so. Like, oh, go no, ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. No. No, I have nothing else to say other than, yeah, I mean, this is peak optimism. It's like first day of spring training stuff. Everyone's going for the World Series, right? Yeah, 100%. It's, it, it's just amusing. There's not enough wins in the league to go around for how many wins have been predicted on this series so far. It's so, you know, the math just doesn't play out, but it's it's still fun. Yeah, absolutely. So the last the last question we'll ask you here, and we'll let you go after this. Um, give us three hot takes for the Warriors this upcoming season. These can be individual hot takes or they can be hot takes based on the team as a whole. Ooh. I like that. Um, hot take number one. I think Steph will average more points than his unanimous MVP season. I think he averaged 30.1. Uh, but it'll be less efficient. I think we're going to see him chucking a little more this year. Uh, I don't think he's going to be upset about getting 25 shots a game after the last few years where it was a lot of, you know, everyone had to sacrifice because of the wealth of talent they had, right? So um, I think we're going to see Steph average 32, 33 points Ooh, a game. I like that And one. We'll, we'll see how um, – how the league reacts to that. Um, I still think he's one of the best players in the league. And I think the way people are talking about the Warriors will probably motivate him. So hot take number one, he'll lead the league in scoring is my bet. Um, Number two, uh, Looney will average double figures for the Warriors. I think he's a little better offensively than what he's shown the last few years. And he was kind of playing a glue guy role, which, I mean, like I said, when you have KD, Steph, and Clay, everyone else just needs to be a glue guy in terms of shooting. This year he'll get opportunities. I think he'll average double figures, and I think people will be really upset he signed that really cheap deal to stay with the Warriors. Yeah, that'll be a pretty big jump for him after averaging only 6.3 last year. So that's a good one. We're getting him to to 10.5 to 11 this year. It'll feel like 20, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the third one, hot take number three on the Warriors, um, they are going to go down to the last week of the season to qualify for the playoffs. Ooh, I, I think, man, I like I that. Kind of like it's like a it's like a hot take, but it's not like an optimistic hot take. I thought you were going to no. go like they're going to get the one seat again or something like that. Yeah. Well, I had to put one other. Like I can't just like go with all the positive stuff. I think. Draymond and Steph, because of how many how much basketball they played the last few years, are going to probably miss a handful of games each. And handful is a very optimistic way of looking at it. Like if they both play seventy five games, I will be thrilled. Um, I think seventy is more the number we should be shooting for. And the games that they're going to miss will be losses. And the West is too competitive for them to throw away ten eleven games because it's not like they're going to win every other game. Um, so I think, I think they're going to be 
fighting up until the last game of the season and Clay's going to be back and it'll be pretty dramatic to see if they can actually make the playoffs. I like that. That's a fun one. It's good stuff. Sam, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, for our listeners here, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Sam Esfandiari. That's S-A-M-E-S-F-A-N-D-I-A-R-I. Sam, it was a pleasure as always. Thank you again. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. So there we have it. Just like that, our season preview series comes to a close. Uh, what started out as kind of a small idea to fill time during the offseason has bloomed into more than any of us could have ever imagined here at the Uncontested between the, the people we've been able to network with and have gotten to know to the interaction from you fans. We just cannot thank you enough. Um, first of all, I just want to give another thank you to Robert Flom uh, covering the Clippers with us, Karthik Prasad covering the Rockets, and Sam Esfandiari covering the Golden State Warriors to help help us round out this season preview series. And then again, another thank you to all of our awesome guests who came on, and especially a huge thank you to you guys who listened, interacted with us, gave us recommendations, and uh, stuck with us through, through the offseason. Like I said, I think we're off to probably our best start yet as a podcast uh, this, this upcoming season. We're really, really excited about it. Have some great stuff to bring you guys. Uh, we have a, a season kickoff giveaway kind of thing we have planned coming up as well as uh, as i'm sure you guys are aware we will be doing a post-game podcast for all 82 games so stay tuned for a quick 30 minute podcast for your your commute to work or uh, even after the game if if it's an early game maybe there's some some time before bed you can turn on the uncontested and listen to us give a recap and then obviously we'll be doing our group weekly thunder pods uh, every sunday night be dropping early monday morning for you guys to listen to to kick the week off and kind of recap the last week of thunder basketball so we're really really excited here at the uncontested uh, for this upcoming season it's going to be a very fun and interesting and eventful year of thunder basketball and we will be here for it all and we hope you guys will join us so thank you guys again for following along and until next time thunder up Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.